Dear ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Digital Savages Challenging the Status Quo podcast with your host, Amir Sabirovic. In the previous episode of Challenging the Status Quo, our guest and challenger was Alexander Whip, And here's a short part of our conversation. But, you know, but it, it's actually, it's luck. So according to this MIT study, which was, I don't know how many thousands of people, and they tracked them long, long, longitudinally over, I think, 15 years. So basically, it's luck. Okay. There's also great. It's a, there's also a Harvard study that 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 they started in 1920s, which also luck. Uh, there's a component on that, and it's basically just a luck. But what I'm so I'm saying, there's no recipes of success, even if there's all these business like help tools and all these books written by a lot of best-selling authors. Um, they found a great formula for their own success, which is that you run into the store because you want to know how to be successful. <laughs> but that's their recipe for success. That's their success method. It's not yours. So, but so I think what I say, there's no recipe, but there are ingredients, and you can pick the cook. So basically, what I'm saying is, I, and I, I don't want to. You know, go too crazy on that metaphor I just created, but it, it, it's, it, I think it's really important, actually. Are you curious about the rest of Alexander's story? Tune into our previous episode and hear everything he has to say about luck, entrepreneurship, and what is important in your career. For now, let's tune in to our next guest. Hi, everyone, and welcome to yet another episode of Challenging the Status Quo. Today, I have a close friend of mine as a guest. Uh, he's a co-founder, petty entrepreneur, innovator, and influencer, and uh, his name is Ergin Borova. Ergin, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, uh, Amir. Hey, Ergin, uh, as we just discussed, you have listened to a few of our podcasts, so we're quite anxious to hear what your background is and uh, what was your life journey? How did you get where you are right now? Oh, my God. Where do I start? It's it's a long story. It's a long journey. Um uh, let me start from the beginning, actually. Uh, I uh, am born and raised in uh, former Yugoslavia. Uh, later, it became Macedonia, and now it is North Macedonia. So you can imagine I, I changed a few uh, nationalities due, during my lifetime. Um, uh, as a young man, I uh, studied uh, uh, economics, and I, uh, at the age of 24, I uh, emigrated to the Netherlands, um, like many other fellows uh, who uh, fled the, the, the country because of the war and the economical situation on the one uh, hand. And on the other side, I uh, also had a Dutch girlfriend at the time, uh, and she happened to be the right one for me. So that was the reason uh, also that I chose the Netherlands uh, as a place to, to go to. Uh, and after that, uh, my whole life journey took uh, a totally different direction. You know, when I was like 20, I was dreaming of other things, doing it in my hometown and so forth. But um, obviously, I ended up here. And uh, um, my first job was as a, as a cleaner uh, at the airport, uh, Schiphol Airport, actually four or five days after I arrived at the arrival hall too. So from now on, I'm sure once you are flying in Schiphol and you will be at the arrival hall too, you will think of me as a cleaner 25 years ago. <laughs> it's, it's a funny story. But um, that was my first um, first uh, job. I, I used the first uh, salary uh, literally to learn the language. And uh, six weeks later, I was already speaking some Dutch. Uh, but a few months later, uh, I was having speaking enough to have a serious jobs. So I studied from one job to another uh, as a waiter in restaurants uh, and so forth. 
And uh, as the time passed by and I adjusted, uh, I started having more serious jobs and also doing at that time also some entrepreneurship on a, on a lower level. Uh, but in, in 25 years that I'm in the country, I started as a cleaner and now I'm, as you call, a serial uh, entrepreneur, advisor, influencer, innovator, and I'm also one of the co-founders of Petty. So it's, it's a whole journey of development, of learning and, and, and falling from what you learn and rising up again and continuing without really knowing where I was going to end to. But my compass was maybe that I was always trying to follow what, what was giving me a tick. Uh, so I was always, I was lucky to always do the things that I really liked and I think I was good at. Hey, and now giving, giving your reference as, you know, fleeing the country, coming to the Netherlands, starting with a cleaner job and now you own a company and you have multiple things going on. Um, what is your personal definition of success? Yeah, it's a good question, actually. Uh, it's 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 a very actual now if you also follow the socials, like what, what is it really that makes people successful? Um, it's, it might sound cliche and as if I, uh, heard it some other place and it could be possible, but, um, as I'm 50 years old now, so as you become, as you age, you discover that success, the definition of success is also, uh, evolving with you. Maybe if you ask this question 25 years ago, I would say uh, successful is when you have a good job and maybe you are a manager or a director or whatever of a company uh, and then I'm you know uh, that's that's maybe also the s- social definition of being su- successful let's be honest some people have some you know uh, 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 ego or whatever by having a good job or having a good car or a big house and, and maybe traveling the world but as i said by as you age also the definition of success is transforming so if you are asking me now, like what is and you, as you are as you are asking, actually, what is the definition of, of success? For me personally, the biggest definition of success is being uh, happy with who you are, with whom you are, and with what you do. Um, that I find very very important. Uh, I'm trying uh, to spend time with people who are meaningful to me. I'm trying to do things that are meaningful for me or the society. Uh, and basically, I'm trying to spend the time, uh, per definition, with, with meaningful things. And that is making me happy, and that makes me, per definition, for me, successful. But not how many companies I have and all that. I, yeah, yeah. I, I find that important and interesting, but it's not really what makes you happy. Because you know also yourself, uh, when I was 20, 25 and still studying, I was dreaming of that dream job, you know, like being with a tie and a suit and, you know, being important in some office. But then you are in the office and you are important and you are on the top of the pyramid. And then it's like, okay, is this it, you know? So it's not that, but maybe you have the journey. You need the journey to discover later for yourself. What makes you happy in that stage of your life? Yeah, I find it, uh, I find it a very, uh, a very nice one that actually your definition of happiness evolves yes, as you age. I believe that you come to an understanding what is really meaningful and what is because you desire a lot when you're young, of course, and your desires get format and you improve you pr- you improve your choice of desire yes uh, yes i think it's true because also we get raised and uh, still maybe the generations to come by expectations from the parents and all that so uh, probably i was raised also with expectation i need to perform and i need to be somebody and you know the more important you are the more successful you are the more people will like you 
And, and, and honestly, at some point you reach the age that you stop giving a shit about stuff like that. <laughs> and uh, I'm glad I'm at that age now. You know, I really stopped giving a shit about a lot of things, how my hair looks, how uh, my pants look, and, and if people are satisfied with the way I design my own life, uh, as long as I like the way I design my life. Yeah, I, I just heard one thing. I, I cannot recall the full, uh, the full but, but it's from uh, Simon Sinek, and he said, um, you, we all deserve Saraphone cup of coffee yeah so that yeah. like when you you are entitled when you have that position and you are waiting wearing, uh, wearing suits and um, you're driven you do not have to drive you don't have to take everything the door open for you and somebody brings you a cup of coffee in a ceramic uh, cup right right and as soon as you go away from that position and you do something else everything disappears and you end up with you know Seraphone, a cup of coffee. Yeah, uh, yeah. We all deserve a seraphone cup of coffee. We do. A fun, very interesting one. Uh, as long as you are content with who you are, who, with whom you are, and what you do, as you say. Well, I think it starts and it ends with that. You know, if, um, of course, we're friends and, and I follow you and you follow me, and, and the way I see you evolving also, it's very nice to see uh, the amount of happiness you are actually exposing. Even by socials, it's it's funny, but the, the way the, the 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 way you talk, the way you express yourself, the text you use, the enthusiasm you uh, uh, you spread, um, I like that. And I think if if I would define you, are you happy now? I cannot talk uh, on your behalf, but but you you look happy, and you it's what I see, you know, uh, and you evolve with uh, whatever you do. And I like that. It's a process. Yeah, it's uh, vice versa. And thank you very much. Uh, again. <laughs> and, and, and this is this is a very good bridge uh, to the following question is, if I would give you a magic wand and you could go to that guy that was 25 years old in the place you lived and you could have given him some advice from your point of view today, what would that single point of advice be? Wow. And a single point only. Well, single point, tell, tell what you would tell him. Yeah, yeah. What would you tell him? You're sitting, having a cup of coffee together. Old Ergin with... Yeah, it's a, it's a good one. I, I have a son, he's 17 years old, and uh, he's also becoming some sort of a friend of mine. You know, we are having more and more mature conversations together because he's also with the same sort of mindset, entrepreneurship-like kind of guy, you know. He likes, he's creative. So I can maybe take something away from what I told him uh, past months. But if I would meet my own me uh, 25 years from now or behind as a 25-year-old guy, um, I, I would, I would, the only advice I would give him, I think, is among the things that I did because I don't regret anything I did. But something I would wish I could do more than I did is being more bold, having more guts uh, to go to go for it and not overthink things um, guys like me are um, I mean I, I find myself creative and outgoing and all that but I'm also very responsible and the responsibility I, I, I uh, care with myself always is also sometimes like this uh, uh, handbrake in the car you know like sometimes you want to go but there's something saying to you but but you know but, but think of your family or think of this or think of that and uh, as I evolve, I learn that uh, sometimes you have to go for it uh, and or let go of things and just you know no, not not overthink too much uh, because if you want to go to the right and there is no way to go to the right, you can turn three times to the left and you will still end up to the right. 
So I think that's what I would say to, to, to my younger me. Like, you know, go for it and don't hesitate too much because falling and making mistakes is probably the best school you will ever have. Well, I think that's a, that's a solid piece of advice, right? Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> I should tell it to my son. <laughs> Very straightforward. <laughs> and, and how do you challenge the status quo in your daily life? Uh, it's a good question. I... Uh, I uh, I, I think I have this uh, mindset uh, of challenging the status quo per definition because I always see things that are not right or, or things that could be better. Uh, maybe the best uh, and the farthest that I came with is, is Petty. Uh, it's an HR tool uh, actually based also on, on my um, irritations or on, on my dissatisfaction about how traditional uh, organizations and corporates are, are designing this traditional process with, with their employees to have these conversations and the annuals and, and, and feedback and all that, but very, very traditional, very hierarchical, very much designed by managers who are uh, uh, telling their co-workers or actually employees how to do things, what to do, and at the end they will tell them if they did it right or wrong without uh, a single interaction or uh, intervention in it with, with a group. Um, and as I was leading different uh, companies uh, in the past 20 years from different positions, um, one thing that I learned about myself, like I was really very dissatisfied about this process. Like I could inspire all my employees during the whole year and then you get this annual moment in December of every year and you need to tell them they're good or not good and if they would get a salary rise and all that without really like having a year of good interaction with having a uh, maybe also supported by... Um, by an application that makes it easier for everybody to do because I'm very much a type of the manager who gives a lot of freedom to their uh, employees and I want them also to think of themselves if, they, if they're good and what do they need to develop and all that. So this, this dissatisfaction was escalating uh, as, a, as the years were passing by and uh, five years ago I uh, quit my job uh, in order to do something about it. So it was on the top of my list when I started as an entrepreneur. I didn't have a business plan. The only plan was I want to go and do things now and now I want to feel free and I want to solve problems and make people's life and employees' life a, a bit easier. That was actually my mission statement. And then uh, when I asked myself, like, okay, what would you do first? This is what popped up in me. I was like, actually, I would, I would want to do something that makes Mondays for every employee the happiest day of the week. And the startup, when we started, it was called Happy Mondays with uh, my co-founder. Uh, uh, and after that, it evolved and we made an application and we called it PEDI, which is uh, an acronym for personal development. And uh, uh, well, what we try to do with PEDI basically is to, to um, disrupt the, the whole traditional way of um, approaching and empowering your employees and giving them more freedom, but also more responsibility to uh, design their growth and performance from the point of view of the employee and not from the point of view of the manager or the organization. And as we evolve, we try to uh, get both dots connected in a, in, in, in a way which is more balanced. Uh, but that's the way I am trying to challenge the status quo because uh, the way we do it, it sucks. I mean, really, it does. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, may, it, it doesn't, doesn't make any sense to let somebody work for a year without any kind of feedback and that then just surprise them True. at the end of the year. Yeah. Well, the improvement should be daily, right? You should be a better person than you were yesterday. Yes, so that, uh, for that, you need feedback. Yeah, yeah. 
yeah, or uh, like uh, Alain de Botton, uh, this uh, 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 nowadays philosopher said uh, in one of his tweets, which I use sometimes, if you're not ashamed of who you were last year, you probably didn't learn anything, uh, <laughs> which makes it very hard, you know, like what does it mean? But there is there is some truth in it, you know, things are developing and evolving so fast uh, in the society that it's uh, very important also for employees to be continuously busy with their development and the managers to be continuously busy with uh, giving them the possibility that to the employees to de evolve, develop and grow uh, also in by involving their own ecosystem, not only the manager as the only single point. Uh, and, you know, so many uh, employees are, are uh, seeking for this uh, uh, improval for, from their manager, like if he likes me or if he thinks that I'm doing a good job. But it's much more important to evolve all the surrounding, all your coworkers, clients, and stakeholders, uh, and to engage them in your own development. Uh, and it's it's uh, it is very difficult actually, also for the employees to uh, ask the most vul vulnerable question, like how do you think I'm doing things? How do you think that I'm doing things? And could you help me with my development? What would be your suggestion for me to grow further? It's you you have to be very self confident to be vulnerable. And to use whatever you get from your feedback, or as we call it with petty feet forwards, um, to evolve from there. It's it's very difficult. And and is this what you're doing in your your way of challenging the status quo within the organization? Uh, is that tied to a bigger wish or goal that that you have? Yes, um, uh, yes, I do. Actually, I, I, I am still dreaming of uh, organizations where it is possible uh, to create an, an, an ecosystem where people go and work and have fun uh, instead of just people go work and get salary for what they do. Um, I truly believe that the more fun we can have in our work, the more productive we are. There are a lot of researchers that are supporting my, my, uh, my theory and my dream also. But I really do that because... Um, you can imagine for the past 100 years, all the managers and all the leaders in companies were ed actually educated to be a boss. And now we're re-educating them to be coaches and to be uh, empowering their own uh, employees to grow. And that means also they need to be vulnerable and not to stick to their traditional way of education, but to give them something new, to work in a new way, uh, to rediscover the talents, of, 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 to help their employees to rediscover their talents uh, uh, as they grow. Um, uh, and it, it's, you know, it's, it's very important also to uh, follow uh, also the, the growth of, of your employees, as we had just in the beginning of this podcast, like how we evolved and all that, you know. Uh, I am not the one who was uh, 25 years ago and 10 years ago and five years ago. I am also evolving. Uh, by that, also my talents are evolving. And by that, also my wishes and my desires are evolving. So if you would get me uh, hardworking 25 years ago by giving me maybe a better salary, uh, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't work harder now for a better salary. But I probably would work harder if I get good projects and exciting, innovative stuff. So, uh, you know, also Amir from 10 years ago is not the same one from now. We need to be engaged in a way with our employees that we can follow that involvement, that we can follow the development and then uh, support them by what they need at that time, and not like always giving them the same. You know what I mean? It's it's uh, also no, no, I get you totally, and I think it's also not only the hard results, right? What is the output? But it also means that you care about the involvement uh, of a person mentally, professionally, emotionally, um, 
there, there are different aspects, I believe, you know, EQ and IQ. Uh, yeah. I mean, they're supportive Definitely. of this. And, and this is my, my follow-up question would be, uh, do you believe that all employees should go through similar as not the same trajectory regarding education? I mean, that is how big companies operate right now. Yeah. When you come in, they say, okay, you're a journey, junior, so you're an intern. Uh, you get a set of courses, right? And this is how this is your growth path. It's not on an inv- individual base. You have your paper from your university, and that means that you're uh, you're certified to learn. Yeah. And then they put you into uh, uh, like a cubicle path. So there is no much deviation from that, right? While I I strongly believe that we all have certain talents that are given to us. And you should exploit individual talents rather than say everybody's the same. Yeah. Uh, is this, is this, uh, how, how do you see this? Well, I think, uh, I, I think that there is one uh, group of employees who would fit perfectly in this one size fits all uh, kinds of uh, development. You know, you come there as a junior and you learn, you do your thing and you go home and you have a couple of kids and then you grow, and, but then you will get, get senior and whatever. And at some point in time, you will be maybe the, the boss of the company. And that's okay. But I don't believe that everybody fits in that uh, format. And I think that um, uh, the best way to activate uh, employee talents is to know what gives them a tick. And to know what gives them a tick, you need to have these great conversations with them. And it starts with good listening without judging, you know. Uh, because uh, I had also a lot of employees or managers I was uh, leading, and they were good in many things, but they were not doing the right things. They were uh, involved in, in, in KPIs and stuff like that. But I was uh, talking to them, and they were extremely excited about some other projects that, that were on the uh, on the same field as their job, but not having the core of their job. You know what I mean? Uh, and if I would get, let them loose, like, okay, go, go do those projects, make sure you are doing your job, you're paid for, okay, you know, but, but get excited about the other things and be excellent in the other things, they would even get better in the things they were not good at, you know, because I was giving them the space to uh, explore their, their, themselves. I really, really uh, think that uh, activating the talents of the employees is only possible with a great conversation, with a lot of attention uh, and with a lot of space for them to do the right things. We are, as a society, maybe also very good in keeping employees caged in some positions because of the salary or because of whatever. Uh, and we should stop doing that, really. And, and also we should, we should sometimes, uh, if necessary, uh, empower employees to leave the company because they're really done sometimes and they're not aware of it. And it's, it's part of the job of the, of the manager to make them aware that you know their task is done and uh, they don't get excited. Their, their heart is not to give one more heartbeat extra for this job. It's just they're doing it, but it's on an automatical pilot, and uh, and that is also part of, of leadership. I think I think we should push our employees and by that also ourselves on on to stretch ourselves out of the comfort zone because the comfort zone is the the deadliest part that you can have. If you stay there for too long, it's you know it will make your brain dead. Uh, and we should stop doing that to ourselves and to our employees. <laughs> and uh, uh, given giving your experience in the last 25 years, is there one thing uh, that you learned the most from? I, I hate to hate, I, I hate to call it a failure, but where did you receive the biggest bruise on your head or your aha moment? 
Maybe, but the biggest, the bruises I, I still wear uh, are the things I haven't done when I should have done them. Uh, so I was not bold enough to, to go for it. Uh, in the past 20 years, I had a, a, maybe a few brilliant ideas, uh, uh, but I was not, not good enough to execute them. And I think um, I, I, I truly don't mind doing things and doing them wrong and then you know rising up again and saying, like, shit, this was like totally wrong. Being a fuck up, I, I really have no problems with it. My ego is not standing in the way. Uh, but I do have problems when I think back of some ideas that I was like, gosh, if I if I if I just had the guts at that time to do that, you know, uh, and I and I didn't do it for whatever reasons. I had a good job at the time and and, and the car, company car, and all that, and you know, you know the old cliches. Uh, yeah, that that breaks my balls most actually. If I think about <laughs> it. <laughs> okay. So actually, the 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 unexecuted dreams and ideas. Yeah. Yeah. that are more most hurtful yes postponing things you know like yeah maybe next year let, let me think about it let me you know let me talk to uh, amir or something and and uh, we we don't talk about it and i postpone it again and uh, procrastination so uh, of, of great ideas uh, uh, i yeah that, that's maybe uh, there are a few bruises of them that, that, that <laughs> you can hear it on my voice i can hear myself talking i'm like i'm still feeling sorry about a few things but uh, it's you know uh, because you ask like what makes you uh, um, challenging the status quo and all that i really think that i can sometimes see things not going the right direction and i i i, I am often capable of um uh, giving it a voice or giving it um uh, uh, a picture like you know i can picture it uh but obviously a few times in the past i haven't been bold enough to say maybe i should do something about it maybe i should quit, quit my job or find the find the right persons around me and and with them together uh, execute something that i thought of uh but truly and i would really uh, also to the listeners and especially the young people i had uh, last week one great workshop with the youngsters uh, in the real estate uh, social housing uh, sector uh, and, um, you know, you should not regret doing things. You should not regret uh, going against the stream. Uh, as my brother always said, the only fish are not going against the stream are the dead fishes, you know. They, they go with the stream. <laughs> Sometimes you have to go to the other direction and don't don't be too afraid. Don't overthink things. Uh, I have, as I'm saying, I know that I have sometimes also moments that I overthink too much. But the switching from ideation to execution, the... the the shorter that period is, and maybe you should break it down to smaller pieces, the best that it is. That would be my advice. Yeah, don't don't worry about what could go wrong. Worry about what could go right. Yes. What if it what, what if it goes right? How can I manage it? You know, can I manage it? And what would happen? And uh, think big and think of the successes you can have, uh, other than uh, oh my God, if I quit this and if I quit that, and then my mortgage and this and that. Like, like but at the end, I really learned in this in this. Uh, 25 years that I'm in the Netherlands, that uh, at the end, things come down to the position where they should have been. Everything is going to be okay in the end. <laughs> hey, and and you're, you're kind of uh, vivid, energetic, and inspired. What, what inspires you? Yeah, the most energy I can get is uh, from the first stage of doing things. Like... Uh, Coming up with an idea with a few guys and or alone or whatever, and then trying uh, to to do something about it, to execute it as fast as possible. And once it stands there and it starts working, uh, I have no problems to leave the management to somebody else and then restart something new. 
so I'm always excited about the new ideations, the new innovations. Um, it, it, it really, especially when, when the, the innovations have something to do with uh, improving our lives, and not just innovation for innovation, because there are a lot of uh, innovations I cannot put the how do you call it, the, 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 like the usability of it, I, I cannot frame it right for me. You know, I know that it, What's the sense? What's the sense? I know that TikTok <laughs> is, is great for uh, uh, managing your uh, time when you're a teenager, you know, in the sense of losing your time and, and watching it for hours. But, but I don't get excited from that way of using it. But maybe if, if I can frame it differently, like you can use TikTok also to do some meaningful stuff, then, I, then you have me on it. So I think that the, that's the, the most energy I get is also when people tell me, no, this is not possible. Then you get my attention. Then I know, I'm like, okay, why would people think that something is not possible? Because in my opinion, almost everything is possible. It's just uh, you have to change your perspective on things and then see it from a different perspective and then see if you can reframe it or, or redesign it. And then from that point of view, maybe it is well, it, it is possible. Um but that's I get where I get the energy most: improving people's life, improving uh, companies' uh, performance, improving employees' uh, happiness, uh, making things more easy to use, fun, um, basically making things uh, more accessible also to, to all of us uh, to, to make lives easier. And what are you curious about right now? Well, um, technology is right now very uh, much ex uh, exceeding. Uh, like nine months ago, uh, I think many companies were not thinking that their employees were possible uh, uh, or, or in position to have these online meetings with Zoom teams and, and stuff like that. So it's exploded uh, the, the past uh, months. And I think we got a touch of a taste of how technology could be supportive uh, in these pandemic times, but uh, the interesting thing is what is going to happen after, uh, because soon, and I'm very positive about uh, uh, COVID-19 that we're going to beat this uh, virus, I'm, I'm sure of that, and we're going to survive, most of us, uh, but I'm very curious, like, what is the, uh, what is, what, what have we learned, actually, from this pandemic, and what, what are the uh, meaningful parts of this period that we're going to reuse or keep on using after the pandemic. I'm very curious because uh, with the first lockdown here in the Netherlands between March and say uh, May, June, uh, we thought, oh, uh, like offices, that's done and nobody wants to go to the office and we'll work home from now on and this and that. Uh, but then we started to go to the offices and people rediscovered again why the offices are okay to be, you know, we can have coffee and meet people and have the social talks, which is extremely important. Uh, then we have this lockdown again now, and uh, now we see the difference. You know, so I don't think when uh, COVID will be uh, beaten up that we will stay at home and work only from home. But I think we will keep on going to the offices, maybe keep on going to the restaurants and bars where we will also work, as a lot of young people do. Um, but I'm also curious how this balance is going to uh, be evolve. Evolve. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I'm very curious. I, I think. Um, uh, I think that we have uh, underestimated maybe as a society how social we actually are and how much we need each other. I told my son the other day, as soon as I get the shot of the, the vaccination, I will start hugging strangers. I miss people, you know. <laughs> and, uh, I will hug them just for the sake of hugging. Like, let me hold you for a couple of seconds and walk through, you know. Like, uh, um, But I miss that. I miss people. I miss uh, interaction. I miss uh, the physical contact, you know, shaking hands, hugging people. 
Uh, I miss going out with you and having a steak. Uh, stuff like that. You know, small stuff, which now, because you are not allowed to do that, are so big and meaningful. And, yeah, you, you, know? <clears throat> you, you learn to appreciate those small points of contact and small things. I mean, I mean they are small in our eyes when they're there. But when they're gone, then we start to value them, that, really. Yeah. Yeah, so th this will be, I think, um, maybe as we design the whole planet and the whole technology with self-driving cars in the future and artificial intelligence and, and, and also smart homes and everything, uh, I think that, that now we, uh, if you are asking me, now we discovered that putting the social context and the social aspects uh, of the interactions between humans should be actually centered. And everything we do should be supporting, supportive to that. Um, that Humans first and technology as enabling. Definitely. Not the other yeah. way around. Yes. And Ergen, if uh, I would give you the possibility to dine with three people, alive or dead, who would those three people be? Oh, my God. Oh, this, this is really a hard one. Because there are so many people I would like to have a dinner or a breakfast with. Um, um, yeah, maybe... Maybe I will try to make a sum of few people that, that I always admired. Um, one of them will be my grandmother, actually, uh, because she was my hero. Uh, my grandmother was um, uh, born, I think, in 1910, and um, uh, she lived until 1995. So she lived through a few uh, wars. Uh, the First World War, the Second World War, also the Spanish pandemic, and... Uh, uh, but she was um, a widow after she was 27 with two uh, kids. Uh, she was very intelligent and also educated for that time. Uh, but she she's by far somebody who inspires me most because she was autodidact and learned herself a lot of things uh, to do. Uh, and by that, she uh, was supporting her two kids. And the rest is history. She was as if you call successful, also being successful in terms of being happy, but also having uh, good conditions to live in, sh she made it by her own, by herself, from 20, age of 27 until 85 when she died. Uh, and she was always positive. Uh, she was always nice. She was always, oh, she was a giver, not a taker. Uh, she, she had not a lot, but even that little bit she had, she was sharing always. And I learned um, the most basic principles of my life I learned from her. Like, be a good guy, have a good heart, uh, uh, share, help the less fortunate. Uh, and, you know, just be happy with whatever you have because there's always somebody who has less than you. Always. Um, yeah, if I, if I would have the chance to have one great conversation uh, uh, during the dinner, I would, I would like to do it with my, with my grandmother. Uh, from the living ones, I, uh, Richard Branson is actually my hero uh, from Virgin. He... I don't know. He represents something as an entrepreneur that I like. The the uh, this this flyer of all these colors that fit him. You know, like he's a good entrepreneur. He he seems like a good person to me. Uh, he's an adventurist also, traveling the world with a balloon and then doing the craziest stuff. You know, I like I like sometimes, not always, but uh, often I like to 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 go to the edge of things. You know, skydive or whatever. Uh, I like that, uh, and I learned it from him. You know, like uh, work hard, live hard. Um, yeah, and, and as for, uh, there are a few other people that I would like to have a dinner with. Uh, before we started uh, the, the, the podcast, we, we spoke about Gary V. 
I think he's a very interesting person to, to have a dinner with. He's very energetic and excited. I think uh, even though I, I heard a lot from him, I, I still I can learn something from him. Um, but then I think of uh, Nelson Mandela and I'm like, okay, we have a few weeks of pandemics here and, and closing our homes and we start, you know, uh, getting bored and, and complaining like I cannot go anywhere. Like how is it for somebody who's, who was locked for 28 years and, and still came out uh, stronger, smarter, wiser? I would like to know that. So I, I mentioned four. I can mention another 14. But these are people uh, that are very inspiring by uh, not only what they say, but also by what they do. And people doing things inspiring me more, more than people saying the right things. You know, But doing the right things is much more inspiring, especially when you wouldn't expect from some people, given the circumstances. I think that's a beautiful list, even though you didn't think about it. But I mean... The, the, the first three people that came to your mind. Yeah. I think it's a solid list. And I think the the, the, the last two, you can definitely realize. Yeah, they, they still want Search the edge. Search the edge. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, should, I should do something about it one time, actually. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> I should exit. Next time. Yeah, yeah. I want a selfie with one of those guys, like, overstate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. That should be on my bucket list. <laughs> Yeah, 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 like a mood board yeah. that you made for 2021. Yes, yes, that's a good perspective, you know, like getting out of this pandemic and then doing some great stuff and meeting these two great people. Yeah, just reach out and say, listen, I, I put this on my wish list, so it has to be done. Yeah. So tell me the, the spot and play, spot and time uh, and I'll be there. Yeah, I should do that. Yeah, I'll keep that in mind. Ergen, it was awesome talking to you. We have came to the final of this uh, interview. And I would like to ask you to give your key takeaway when you condense everything that we have talked about and your experience throughout life. What is your key takeaway you want to share with the audience? Yeah, well, uh, as an entrepreneur, but also as, as a person, I, I think what we should unlearn is uh, is following orders and, and doing things because they are supposed to be like that because the society decided that it's a good thing or a wrong thing to do, whatever. And that, that we should start unlearning. And, and what we should start learning is listening to our own guts, to our own um, moral compass in a way, and doing the things that we are happy with without damaging the society. I mean, you know, so I can get happy with uh, cutting all the forests in the Amazon, but that's not what I mean. But if um, it's maybe something from um, uh, the, the seven, uh, from Kofi, uh, I was lost his name, Stephen Kofi. Uh, think in win-win in, in, -win in, in that way. So I would say follow your guts uh, and, and be very, stay very close to yourself uh, in order to follow whatever uh, is leading you. That's your heart, that's your desire, that's your energy, that's your ambition. So follow that and unlearn following uh, the society as a compass because they're not going to care uh, in the end if you're happy or not. Um, and make sure that you're doing the right stuff not only for yourself, but also for the others. If you do this win-win uh, uh, things, then I'm, I'm sure and you and the people around you will get more happy and more satisfied. That would be my takeaway for... I think it's beautiful. And again, it was awesome talking thank to you. you. And thank you for sharing your story. And uh, I wish you all the luck uh, in all other endeavors, entrepreneurial and personal. 
Thank you very much. You too. I will keep following you, and uh, we should have that steak as soon as possible whenever the restaurants are open. Totally. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking Great. of those moments, thanks, Gergen. Thank you very much. You. Thank you. Bye bye. Bye. Thank you very much for listening, dear ladies and gentlemen. This was Ergin Borova. Next week, we have Amir Bisser as a challenger of the status quo. And here's a short part of our conversation. Make progress, right, in this world. Make progress in, in, in humanity uh, sense as well as just personal sense, right? So, so anyways, the, the last five years have been really interesting. Um, I've been just kind of exploring and learning a lot. Uh, I've been with GE now only for... Uh, a little over a little over six months so about seven months or so so i'm still fairly fresh in this environment there's a lot to learn but um, tightly connected or coupled with uh, product development team so there's some really interesting um are you curious about the rest of amir's story and why he chooses to work from the shadows tune in next week and hear everything he has to say about life entrepreneurship, working for a big company, and his statement in life. For now, this was Challenging the Status Quo podcast with your host, Amir Sabirovich. Stay safe and healthy, and until next time, see ya!